The information on this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not contain or constitute and should not be interpreted as any form of medical advice or opinion. You should always seek the advice of your healthcare provider about any questions or concerns that you may have. Welcome to the Unfiltered Podcast. If you have experienced narcissistic abuse, you are in the right place. Our mission is to help you understand the abuse you have experienced, support you through your healing journey, and to help you develop healthy relationships. I am your host, Juliana Aiken, and in today's episode, I'm interviewing Dr. Tanya Holthus. Dr. Tanya Holthus is a licensed psychologist who enjoys working with a wide variety of clients and offers multiple services, including therapy, coaching, and supervision. She specializes in healing trauma and helping people with many types of issues, including post-traumatic stress, attachment-slash-connection, emotional-slash-relational abuse, anxiety, depression, and relationship issues. She is most passionate about helping people overcome relationships involving narcissistic abuse and strengthening parent-child relationships. Dr. Holthus views things through a trauma lens and tends to weave this into all of her work. She provides psychoeducation, teaches how to navigate healthy boundaries, guides healing, and helps people gain clarity to bring peace in their life. In this episode, Dr. Tania offers five practical strategies to help you gradually overcome emotional dysregulation that narcissistic abuse causes. Let's get started. So the first strategy... So the the theoretical orientation that I'm coming from on this one is something that people might be familiar with. It's called dialectical behavioral therapy or DBT, which was originally um, founded by Marsha Linehan. And so this, the coping skills that I'm going to talk about are that this, this first set of them are specifically meant to be proactive. So what I mean is When we have more capacity in our system to tolerate stress, right, we don't get as dysregulated. So these set of skills help to sort of build capacity in your system before the abuse happens, right, or before the negative interaction or before whatever, so that when it does happen, you can regulate more easily because you've done these things prior, So the first one, uh, you know, kind of might be a little cliche, but um, it's really, really, really important that we're attending to our physical health. And I mean, balanced sleep, I think is like number one, sleep impacts everything, mood, energy, appetite, um, functioning of our organs. I mean, everything, right? So balanced sleep, meaning not, not too little, not too much, um, balanced nutrition, um, making sure that we're moving our body. That's huge. Um, avoiding or limiting, um, unhealthy substances that we're putting into our body. And then if we are getting sick, making sure that we're treating that. So I won't sound like a broken record about this one, but it's very, very important. I think people underestimate, um, you know, how, how important it is. Um, the next one is building positive experiences into our day every day if we can. Um, so this could be something small for a few minutes that we do every day. And then maybe we could do a longer one, you know, once a week or a bigger one once a month. These types of positive experiences can be sort of like intrinsically pleasant to us. So um, like a bubble bath or a walk or watching a movie, whatever that is, they can be social, right? So spending time with people who um, we feel safe with, who we feel we have a positive connection with, um, or they can even be positive activities that are more productive in nature, right? Like some people feel really good when they get the laundry done, you know, or even when they, uh, you know, paint the office or whatever that is. Right. So, um, it can be more productive in nature too. Um, and you know, in the moment one might think, well, you know, whatever, going for a walk, that's not really going to help. What the, what the intention is of this is that over time, it's kind of like adding piggies to a piggy bank, right? Over time, as you are being really intentional and mindful about being engaged in something pleasant and positive for yourself on a regular basis, 
it's going to fill up that piggy bank, right? Or fill up your tank so that when stress does come into your life, um, you're just much more better equipped to handle it. And I do want to emphasize the, the intentional and the engaged piece because, uh, you know, we could be taking a walk or having a bubble bath, let's say, and ruminating, right. Or thinking about all of the stressful things. And then that's not, that's not considered a positive activity anymore. Right. So you have to be really fully engaged in it, um, for the intention of trying to sort of enjoy as much as you can. Um, the last thing that I'll talk about with this, um, set of kind of proactive skills is engaging in things that help us feel accomplished, um, or that help us feel like we have some sort of sense of achievement. So this could be as small as, well, maybe not small, but as small as like cleaning the house or cleaning something, right. It could be, um, you know, doing a project or something at work or anything that helps you really feel like, okay, I, I accomplished something. And maybe there's some sense of pride in that, that helps us, um, really build up positive self-esteem for ourselves, And that is like total armor, right? When we're dealing with abuse from um, somebody with narcissism, you need as much kind of armor as you can. So make being again, really intentional about doing things that you feel really proud of for yourself. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Like, it's funny you just said, because I have like recently uh, took up like a uh, I feel like it would go under this engaging in things that give you a sense of accomplishment. Like after every daily shower that I have to stay uh, under very, like the coldest that I can get uh, under that water, because I know there's like also health benefits, but also like, because I, I first hated that. I started with like, <laughs> I have always a timer that I have to be 30 seconds and now I'm slowly building it up. And now I'm like, right now I'm like at uh, usually a minute I'm there like a minute, but just the feeling that, okay, I can stay here one minute, even though like, uh, usually when I start the shower and it's like warm water, I'm thinking, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. But then after every yes. time I do it, it feels so good, even though it's just a simple thing. It's just one minute. It's not like a That's ice right. bath or anything, but just, it's crazy how simple things can like give how me simple. a yeah right yeah, a sense of accomplishment and, yeah and so in in um dbt language that would be called building mastery right you're building mastery over that that um one activity right which is building mm -hmm. kind of your endurance and how long you can you yeah, can stay. sustain <laughs> yeah, that really cold temperature yeah mm -hmm. and it feels good to build mastery over something that's challenging for us right mm -hmm. um but that goes such a long way when you're trying to shield yourself from abuse. So yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Great example. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, are, so, so did you say that, uh, yeah, so under this first strategy was like engaging in proactive coping skills and under that, there were like three things. So attending to your physical health, including sleep, nutrition, exercise, no unhealthy substances or limit that. And then also build up positive experiences every day if possible, or at least then like every week or bigger ones every week or bigger ones every month. And it could include like social interactions or just like within yourself and more simple things. And then also engaging in things that give you a sense of accomplishment. Is that yes. all under that? Yep. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yep. So under, so if this was the second, first strategy, uh, what mm -hmm. is that like the next strategy? Yeah. So the next strategy is um, sort of on the flip side, right? So we first talked about proactive coping skills, like how to prepare yourself to be more resistant to, to the, to the abuse. And this is now talking about reactive coping skills. So, okay. We are in the middle of something really intense. We're really emotionally dysregulated. Now, what do we do in the moment? Right. So um, these these skills, um, this also kind of comes from DBT. These skills are meant to sort of take the edge off, decrease some of the intensity um, and not make it worse. Right. So we think about like 
like, let's say we've just had a really um, stressful interaction with, with somebody with narcissism, right. In our life. And um, which often leaves us really dysregulated. Um, if we sit there and we sort of stew right on and ruminate on everything that happened, it can maintain right that level of dysregulation, but it can also exacerbate that level of dysregulation. So these are a set of skills that are going to help to not make it worse, but to hopefully help decrease that intensity while you're in the middle of that. So, yeah. So, um, the, probably the best way, um, to do that in the moment is through distraction. So I'm going to talk through a lot of different ways to use distraction. Um, the first example is just with any, any activity that is helpful. I think a lot of people, you know, might turn to looking through reels on social media, right? Or watching videos on YouTube or something. I mean, it can really be any activity that's helpful that's going to take your mind off of the situation that just happened. So it's important that it's engaging or stimulating enough to do that. Um, it's also helpful to um, maybe you call a friend and you ask them how they're doing. And you don't talk about your situation at all, right? But you're just, you're, you're focusing on them and what's happening for them. Um, and that can kind of help take the focus off of your current situation. Um, you can turn your mind to things that you're grateful for. So instead of sort of ruminating on how awful this current situation is, like what are some things that are going well in your life? So kind of gratitude focus. Um, sometimes it's helpful for people to, um, kind of similar to gratitude, but thinking about like, what is meaningful to them in their life? Right. And, and, and that could be anything, right? Sometimes that's prayer, right? So people might pray or turn to some, whatever spiritual belief they have or, um, whatever their values are. So kind of turning to like, what is really meaningful, that can help me feel kind of more grounded or get outside of the situation. Um, and then I also like to say too, this isn't necessarily a form of distraction, but um, while you are working through some, you know, cause emotional dysregulation happens, um, it can happen like really intensely right? But then it can also happen kind of at a more moderate level ongoing, right? And so these are the skills that I just listed can be used for both, right? But are also very good for that intense, um, kind of that the more acute emotional dysregulation. Um, for more of that, like kind of moderate uh, kind of ongoing dysregulation that you might be experiencing, it's important to sort of give yourself permission to put other things on the back burner so that you can focus on yourself. So this might be like, um, I don't have to, I can let the laundry uh, stack up if I need to, the dishes don't need to be done right this minute, right? So it's like small things that you can sort of give yourself permission to let go of. Um, because I think that that also, all of those things do exacerbate the dysregulation, right? Um, and that's not helpful. Another um, skill, uh, and this kind of speaks to a little bit of what you were just talking about with the, with the cold shower. Um, if we are in a situation where our emotions are so intense and we just can't kind of get out of that, um, a really effective thing to do is to actually use um, different sensations that are also intense. So I usually say um, touch, right, and and or or temperature and taste are are good ones to try. Now with temperature, um, what we want is we want the intensity of the sensation to be nearly as intense as our emotion is in order to be able to offset it. So we can't use warm temperature because in order to make that intense enough that we could, that could be unsafe, right? We could burn ourselves, but really, really cold temperature can be relatively safe in small or short 
um, amounts of time. So for people who live in like, uh, you know, snowy, cold climates, right? I might say run outside in the snow in your bare feet, not for like longer than a minute because you'll get frostbite, right? But that's a really intense feeling, right? Um, or I tell people, jump in an ice cold shower and see how long you can sustain it for. Um, again, most people probably aren't going to be able to be in there very long. Um, and it's not horribly unsafe to be in there for, you know, a few minutes, but probably like you experienced when you are in that ice cold shower, you're not, you're not really thinking or feeling much else, right? No. It's, it's <laughs> barring enough to the system that it sort of can like jolt you out of whatever that dysregulation is. Um, another uh, with using taste, I'll tell people, and I even have some clients that carry like little bottles of this in their, in their um, purse or in their, you know, pocket, but um, get some hot sauce, pour it on your tongue and just let it sit there. Right. Again, not going to hurt you, but that's going to get really intense really quickly. And it's going to, it's going to jolt you out of that emotion dysregulation. Right. Or even like, um, I'll tell people, most people think this is, you know, yucky, but I'll tell people, you know, get a mouthful of vinegar in your mouth and hold it and swish it around. Right. And see how long you can kind of stand it that taste right before you have to spit it out. Um, but those are just some, some ways of kind of using other sensations to get you out of and distract from the intensity of the, that emotion in the moment. Mm, yeah. I really, I really liked how you kind of highlighted that it has to be intense enough there, either the temperature or taste, because I feel like that's, that's actually the first time I hear someone point that out that it does, it's not effective if you like put a, let's say a grape. I mean, it could be if you are less dysregulated, but if you are very, very dysregulated, then you are like, well, let's taste how this grape taste is like. And it's like, it's not a big switch enough or it's like, yeah. So I thank you for, for that. Yes, that's right. And, and so I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said, because right, we're kind of, we want to sort of look at and maybe have some awareness of how intense does this feel to me right now? And maybe you give yourself like a zero to 10 scale, right? Where 10 is the most intense. And if you're at that, like eight, nine, 10, these are, those are some of the skills that you want to use total distraction, use an intense sensation, right. Um, To get yourself out. Once you're down, maybe to more like, you know, five, six, seven, let's say, then you can use um, this next um, set of kind of reactive skills that I'm going to talk about, which is still under strategy two. Mm -hmm. Um, But these are more of like the self-soothing coping skills. So so in DBT, they talk about self-soothing through um, the five senses, right? So you want to focus on visually what is soothing to me? You know, what would I want to look at? Maybe I look out the window and I look at the trees or the sky, right? Um, Taste wise, maybe I have my favorite cup of tea, right? Or I um, suck on a little piece of chocolate. Um, With with touch, maybe I want to pet my fur baby, right? A pet that you might have, or maybe I wrap myself in a warm blanket or I put a fan on me, smell if you have any um <clears throat> essential um um I'm forgetting what it's called essential herbs oils. Right, or essential oh yes essential oils thank you yes um that can be really effective for regulating the system right so anything or people usually have like scented lotions or something right that they might put on um that smell good so kind of that aroma therapy and then um auditory, right, is the the last one. And that's maybe listening to some soothing music, right, or um, sound machine that has whatever's soothing to birds, waves, whatever. So um, that will also help bring in regulation. Um, and then a last couple of points about 
um, kind of these reactive coping skills. So um, I like to kind of tell people, you know, remind yourself that this feeling is temporary um, and that it will pass. And I tell people to sort of visualize themselves, visualize this emotional intensity as like a wave in the ocean, right? And if you're you're a surfer, right? You're not gonna crash into that wave, right? If you're good at surfing, your 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 goal, right, is to try to ride the surface of that wave, right? And the surfboard acts as a barrier between you and between that emotional intensity of the wave, right? And so you can feel that turbulence, right? You know it's there, but we're not putting our primary focus on it. We're realizing that it's there, but we're riding it out until it's done. And in the meantime, we can be doing those other things we just talked about and then know and pay attention to in this visualization, right? That wave comes down, right? And eventually you can surf right onto um, dry land, right? And solid ground and sort of land there. So it's kind of using that visualization with those coping skills to know that um, this is going to pass and this is temporary. The intensity of it is temporary, at least, um, because our bodies just physically cannot sustain that intensity for long periods of time. It's just not possible. Um, and then um, also knowing that, like, we surrendering to, like, the 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 idea, right, that we don't have full control in this situation, but what we do have control is over ourselves and how we want to respond. And that is exactly what all of this is about, right? So it's kind of radically accepting um, that this horrible situation is happening, right? And it shouldn't be happening. And I still have control over how I want to deal with that and how I want to respond and show up for myself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Thank you. And I guess it's like pretty self explanatory that the reason this works when we're trying to overcome the emotional dysregulation that these are for the at the moment when it's happening, the very intense dysregulation. And for that, you said that especially the distraction techniques that you gave are good for those very intense levels. So I don't remember, was it like seven to 10 or somewhere there? Or yes. does it, does it even? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Distraction. Yeah. Like, yeah. Seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep. So, yeah. And then yeah. also other, then you gave also specified that, well, if it's, you are dealing more with kind of ongoing emotional dysregulation, but it's not like intense outbursts but like ongoing then like giving yourself permission to let go of some of the things like like you know laundry doesn't need to be done right now and dishes are like they they are like there but you don't right now have to uh, take care of them that kind of can help as well and then you also gave self-soothing skills that could be a lower level so let's say i don't know below six or whenever you feel like it's like okay right right now i can do this, let's, you said five senses exercises. So if you, I'm sure everybody will know that when they do self-soothing uh, skills and if they, if it doesn't work, maybe then you need to do the distraction first and then go into self-soothing right. or something exactly. like that. And then I yep. think it was very helpful that you also gave the two other tips that kind of relate to all, to this whole thing. So remind yourself that this will pass as well. Visualize it as a wave that you are riding. And then the surfboard is like, you're not in touch entirely, like uh, directly with your emotions and that we have control of ourselves and how we can respond, even though if the situation is horrible uh, yes. right now happening. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Great. Yep. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, first you have talked about proactive coping skills. So before we might end up in the very emotionally dysregulated uh, state, and then you now shared a lot of very helpful reactive coping skills. So yeah, I'm excited to hear what is the third strategy. Yeah. So the third strategy, this comes from more of like a cognitive behavioral approach but how I sort of conceptualize it is we're doing, uh, I'm going to talk about these skills 
from a top down perspective, meaning we're starting with the brain, the neocortex, right? And the frontal lobe to then therefore have like a trickle down effect to our physiology in our body. So if we're starting kind of in the brain, we want to be looking at um, thoughts, right? That we're having and, and how those thoughts are impacting our emotions. So are there assumptions that are happening and um are there things that we're thinking that are more opinion and not necessarily fact so these these things that I'll, I'll I'm going to explain more but these are things that you're going to do likely after you have come down from that intensity right because when we're in that intensity we're not going to really have access to this right or we're not going to have capacity for this um but when we're when we're down from that dysregulate dysregulation intensity a little bit, um, it's good to sort of look at this. So um, CBT talks about there's a, a direct relationship between the thoughts we have, which then influence the feelings we have, which then influence our behaviors. Right. So in an example of um, narcissistic abuse, and this is um, a little bit off of the podcast that I did with you prior, right? But oftentimes people feel like they did something wrong. Like it's my fault, right? They have this guilt. Um, so they might, the thought might be, this is all my fault, right? I must be doing something wrong. The feeling then is guilt. And then the behavioral response is maybe a shutdown, um, ruminating, they get into a shame cycle. They have a lot of anxiety, or maybe even they get defensive right? All things that don't help regulation. So if we are to, to examine that thought, right? It's my fault. That is not necessarily a fact or an objective statement, but that is their opinion, right? If we can turn that into an objective statement or thought of, I just had an interaction with this other person, and it was conflictual and we were both involved in that interaction. That is a factual statement, right? And it removes judgment and it removes kind of that fault, right? And so now if that's the thought, right? Like, yep, I like I'm in an argument with somebody. We're both involved in this. Now the feeling might be more... Um, curiosity, like, okay, how do we resolve this? Right. Or, um, empathy or accountability. What's my part or what are the things that I need from this person in this situation? And so it changes our response pattern and also can help with our regulation as well. Um, so the other thing that, that we can work with besides just the thought is working with the emotion directly. So if our emotion is feeling sad in that moment, um, and so th this is something that you would want to prepare ahead of time, right? But what is something that like is our go-to thing that makes us happy? We want to elicit intentionally the opposite emotion, right? So if we're feeling sad, we want to elicit joy. What brings us joy? This could be, um, a picture that we have saved on our phone of our puppy or our children, or if you don't have those things, right. Um, you might have saved pictures, um, that you've seen online or something, right. Something that's going to kind of instantly help bring joy to you. Same with, um, anger. If we're feeling really mad, it's very hard to stay mad if we can make ourselves laugh. So have something ahead of time that is like, go to makes yourself laugh. Um, you know, people often have like funny reels that they save on their phone, right? Or if anyone still uses Pinterest, which I do, but, um, you know, I have a Pinterest board that has like these super funny quotes that if I just, if I read them, they just make me laugh so hard every time, no matter what. And it just jolts me out of that irritability. Um, if we're scared. We all obviously want to try to elicit some calm. So what's our go-to thing that is soothing for us? Um, it could be any of those things we talked about before, right? 
Um, so we can also work directly with the emotion to then change the physiology. Um, so again, we're working kind of with more mm. of the brain to help the body. So that top-down approach for regulation yes. using the thoughts and the the feelings focus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That made me think, um, because I, I, so it's, you said it's a cycle. So like thought can influence emotion, emotion then, then influence behavior. And then it's like a cycle. And then the first thing that you gave here that helps us to overcome the emotional dysregulation was to focus on the thought. So turn your thoughts into factual statements, because then that removes the emotion or results in more neutral emotion that results in more neutral behavior and doesn't make the emotional dysregulation even worse. Then, so that's like working with the thought, like if we think that there's a a cycle, thought, emotional behavior, then the next tip you said, uh, focus on the emotion. So if you're sad, if you're sad, then think about opposite thing. And in this, like ahead of time, prepare yourself to do this. But anyways, that you can uh, make a library of stuff that you do when you're sad and uh, stuff like that. Uh, Do you have any, what are your thoughts? Can you work with the behavior? Like, can you start with like, so that in that way, then it might uh, affect your thoughts or emotional, but you do something that directs the behavior piece, or is that even, even ever done in therapy or in your profession or yeah you you can so I'm going to talk about that a little bit in the next strategy okay but um yeah it's a little bit tricky to like depending because our behavior is so influenced by those other things Mm. um that it's it's harder to just start with the behavior um when we have all of that all of that going on but yes increased awareness of, of your behavior is really helpful, right? Like if you're, if you notice that like your jaw is clenched, right. Or you're making fists, right. Or you're breathing really shallow, right. You can certainly, um, do different things to like, try to elicit the opposite response to promote more regulation, right. You could try to deepen your breath. You can try to put like your tongue on the, um, bottom of your mouth, and that opens your jaw, oh, right? Yeah. You can kind of do some, yeah, it's really hard to not open your jaw or like facilitate some of that drop or release when your tongue's on the bottom. Um, you can do like the progressive muscle relaxation, right? Where if you're making a, a fist, then you kind of slowly um, open that up and you can just feel the um, that kind of loosening of that tension, right? So there are different things you can do behaviorally. Um, for sure. Um, and we'll talk more about that too in the next strategy. Hey, I hope you are enjoying this episode right now. If you didn't know this already, our mission here at Unfiltered is to help people who have experienced narcissistic abuse understand the abuse they have experienced, support them through their healing journey, and to help them develop healthy relationships. We want to help as many people as possible, but the only way we can reach everyone is if you choose to share this episode. So if you have been getting value from our content, it would mean the world to me if you shared it with others. You could do this by sharing it with your online support groups, sending it to someone dealing with a narcissist, or even leaving a review. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the episode. Uh, Right now, when we are trying to overcome the emotional dysregulation, you have given three strategies. First one was proactive coping skills. So building up the cap, our capacity. So we are more able to uh, enter stress and there is stress when we are emotionally dysregulated. Then uh, second one was reactive coping skills at, for at the moment, you can use this when you are uh, emotionally dysregulated already. And now the third one was top, top, top down approach to facilitate our like regulation. So yeah, what's the fourth one? So the fourth one is bottom up. So now we're going to work with the body and the physiology um, to to help facilitate regulation. And this comes from uh, my training in somatic experiencing. So we're going to come from a different approach now. So we did DBT, CBT, and now we're doing somatic experiencing. Um, So a a quick little um, uh, information about why this works. Um, So we... um, our, we have a, a central nervous system, right? And um, our nervous system has 
lots of different branches. One of them is called the autonomic nervous system. And the autonomic nervous system, we kind of think of as like the automatic nervous system, right? But this is the part of our nervous system that just operates automatically. Um, of the autonomic nervous system, we have two branches. We have the sympathetic and parasympathetic. So the sympathetic nervous system is what is activated when we're feeling really dysregulated, like panic, anxiety, fear, anger. It's also what's activated when we're feeling really excited. Um, so it can, it's not always just negative, right? But it's just that high energy, high intensity. And then parasympathetic is the opposite, right? It's when we're feeling more um, calm, relaxed. Um, and that would be kind of, um, so the parasympathetic is broke down into two parts, ventral vagal, which is kind of that calm, relaxed, right? And dorsal vagal. Now, dorsal vagal is where we have more of like the shutdown, so that's like when we're feeling um, like really low energy or depressed or um, really unmotivated or just like we can't kind of um, function very well, right? So our goal, when we're talking about regulation, we're really talking about we want healthy sympathetic activation, right? Which is kind of being alert and having energy, but not being like, panicky, anxious, whatever. And we want parasympathetic activation in the ventral vagal part, which is also being calm, right? And they sort of, um, they almost like breathe together, right? We, we want them to sort of be right in that nice uh, middle place. And when we are there, when we are regulated, we have um, access to all the parts of our brain we have um, healthy digestion. Uh, we have we can sleep. We have an appetite, right? Our organs are functioning properly. So you know, for people who like you know have irritable bowel syndrome or lack of appetite or insomnia or hypersomnia, right, or any issues, this is it's probably because they're in a chronic chronic state of dysregulation and they're not getting to that regulated space. So when we're talking about how do we work on emotional regulation from a nervous system level in our physiology, there's a few different techniques that we can do. Um, so one of them is grounding. But when I talk about grounding through uh, the somatic experiencing lens, it's about um, how do we put our attention on the parts of our body that are in direct contact with either the ground itself or something that is in contact with the ground. For example, I'm sitting on a chair right now. Um, and so my the backs of my legs, my bottom, my back, right, are all connected to the chair and the chair is connected to the ground, right? And my foot, my feet are on the ground. So when I draw attention to those areas specifically, I'm noticing many things. I'm noticing the feeling of being supported, right? I'm not sort of levitating. Um, I'm noticing a, a, a mild pressure between my body and the chair, right? Or on the floor. I'm noticing a like a soft heaviness or a weight there. I'm noticing a warm temperature um, that feels comfortable. And so, and I'm noticing that like that support is really stable, right? It's not wavering. So that is, as I'm drawing my attention on all of those things, that's sending signals to my nervous system that says you're safe. You're being supported. You're on safe ground. You're safe, right? So that's one technique for facilitating that regulation. Another is orienting to our immediate environment. So I would only encourage this for people if their immediate environment is actually safe. If it is not, and they can close their eyes and, and visualize something that is more safe for them, 
that would be helpful. Or if you can get out of the environment that feels unsafe, right? Go into a different room or step outside or whatever. Um, then orient to the immediate space around you. And when I say this, I mean, look in front of you, to the sides of you, above and below, look behind you, right? Make sure that you're, you are aware of everything that's immediately around you. And while you're doing this, letting your eyes sort of land um, and scan anything that feels that you feel curious about, or that feels pleasant to you. And really you're just wanting to look at like colors, shapes, um, uh, nothing to um, more than that, right? We're just going really basic, right? Like green and orange leaves on the trees or whatever that is. And it's helping to keep your attention in the present moment, which is nothing bad happening, right? Um, and it's also helping to let your body know there is nothing dangerous around me right now. I have looked in every single direction and I know that where I am right now in this, this second is safe. And that again is sending signals to your nervous system and to your brain that you're safe. And it's going to facilitate some of that parasympathetic activation. Um, and then the, the last way to sort of help facilitate regulation in the nervous system is through touch. So this can be done um, with a pet, right? It can be done with a safe person, or um, most of the time, it's quite effective to just be done on your own with self-touch. So in, in somatic experiencing, they like to talk about like, there's no accidents with the body, right? So like, when we cross our legs or we kind of put our hands in our, or our head in our hands, right? The body is, is doing that because it's going to help it regulate. Um, so you can either, you know, kind of um, wrapping your, your arms, your hands around your arms, um, sort of as a, like a, a hug for yourself, right? Some people like to kind of curl their knees in, Um some people do like to kind of hold their face, right? Um, there's lots of different things that you can do with touch. You might see people kind of fold their hands behind their head and kind of lean back. And what's nice about this one is you have the support, right? So if you interlace your fingers and you put them on the back of your head, and then your thumbs are just at your hairline. So they're just kind of under your hairline, touching your neck. Um, and then you're, you're just leaning into that um, support. So right on the base of our brain, um, we first, well, we have the cerebellum, but beyond the cerebellum, we have the part of the brain that's called the reptilian brain. And this is um, basic functions like heart rate, breathing, sleep, wake, et cetera. So if you're having a lot of those kind of panicky um, physiological feelings, like your heart's racing and you have really shallow breath, doing this and offering like support to that part of your body where that, where it's operating um, can help. Also, if you're having a lot of racing thoughts, right, you might want to offer some support to your prefrontal cortex so putting your hand on your head, on your forehead, I should say, and leaning into that. Or um, if people's heart's racing, right, they might actually put a hand on their heart. Or if they're having trouble breathing, they might put hands on their tummy, right, to try to deepen the breath or both their chest and their tummy. So any form of self-touch that's going to help um, regulate the nervous system or the part of them that they're feeling the most dysregulated in can be really, really effective and really soothing. And again, we're doing this really mindfully. So like, we're not doing this arbitrarily and thinking about, you know, how horrible this thing was that just happened, right? We're doing it, noticing the warmth of the touch, the support, the comfort, all of that to help facilitate that regulation.
and remind ourselves that we are safe um, as long as that's true. I know with abuse, a lot of times people are not, um, but there's ways to, if possible, get outside of that situation um, and know in that moment you're, you're in control of your safety as much as you can be and helping facilitate that feeling for yourself. Mm, yeah. So thank you. Thank you. And so now we have talked, you have shared four different strategies to overcome the emotional dysregulation. The first one was proactive coping skills. Second one was reactive coping skills. Third one was uh, top down approach. And the fourth one now is the bottom up approach. So, so what is the fifth one? Yeah. So the last one, this comes from, um, a, a newer modality, um, that I was recently trained in called AIR network or air network, which stat, which stands for adaptive internal relations. So it's this idea that, um, it's similar to, uh, similar to, but not the same as IFS people might've heard of, which is internal family systems. So, um, it's about this concept that we have different parts of ourself and we have parts of ourselves that are really resourced and grounded, right? And we have parts of ourselves that are also, um, that are very vulnerable, right? And, and oftentimes the vulnerable parts are the ones that are coming out when we're in these abusive situations. So one strategy that I, um, that I talk about um, and that Air Network talks about is asking yourself or I'll ask a you know client when I'm in session with them um when they were feeling these really intense emotions in that experience um what percentage of of that those feelings is about that event in that moment versus about a bunch of other related events right so we know specifically with people with narcissism they're very good at um, those kind of like really subtle seeming, right. Or, or covert remarks that can really upset you. Right. Now, somebody who's on the outside, and this is why this abuse is so, um, just so tricky is somebody on the outside seeing that might not pick up on it. Right. They're looking at this as an isolated incident and they're going to go, oh, that that's not that big of a deal, right? It was kind of sarcastic or whatever, but no big deal, right? And the other person is like fuming, right? You're fuming. So if we had to separate this one event from all of the other stuff, how would we, how would we react? Would we feel this intensity, right? Can we look more objectively at what's happening and feel annoyed or frustrated, right? But maybe we don't feel attacked, overwhelmed, abused, et cetera, um, about this one event. So when I ask people this question, they might say <clears throat> maybe like 10%, right? Or 30% of my, um, my emotional reaction was about the actual event, but the other 70% or 90%, right? Was about how many times they've done this before. And so it's, this is tricky, right? And again, it's not probably gonna um, happen if you're at that like seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, right? But um, thinking about, okay, if I, how can I just respond to this one event right now? How do I want to show up for that? How can I bring my more present grounded self, uh, my authentic self to this moment to respond? And then when this incident has passed, then I can go and I can attend to those more vulnerable parts because they deserve that attention. Um, and a little, this is um, similar and I won't go into as detail as I did last time, but um, similar to some of the techniques I talked about in that guilt podcast that I did with you, um, where, where we want to sort of like attend to and nurture those vulnerable parts, right? So using a lot of self-validation, self-compassion. Um, yes, I, I could go on, but um, all the things that will will sort of help us feel better and validated 
um, and less vulnerable. But doing that kind of outside of the situation at hand. Mm, mm. That's a really, this is, I feel like this is very good. But oh my God, probably very, very hard. Like you already said, like, yes. how can I really just respond to this one single event and somehow put it aside all the past stuff that has happened and how this is a build up perhaps from all yeah. the stuff that's been going on. But yeah, if, so are you saying that if we are able to just um, respond in a way that we kind of trick ourselves into uh, quote unquote mm -hmm. trick ourselves just to help us through this moment, not to be in denial or anything, but just to help ourselves right. better to trick ourselves into thinking that, okay, let's just now uh, react to or respond to this one single event. Uh, yes. You are saying this works to overcome the emotional dysregulation because then you are like probably going to react in a more, uh, in a level that makes more sense and not that it becomes overly dysregulated. Yes. That's the point. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yep. And like you said, you know, a lot of people that I work with, um, you know, it's so common to just explode in those moments. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and valid, it's really valid. And it, yes, with a person with narcissism, um, usually makes it worse. Right. I mean, almost every time makes it worse, meaning they become more dysregulated. Right. Um, and you become more dysregulated. And so it's about in, in this specific situation with narcissistic abuse, and you can really use it, you know, anytime. I mean, I, I have couples who are like, um, you know, my husband didn't wash the dish that was in the sink and I blew up at him. It's like, okay, are you really blowing up about the dish in the sink or is there something else going on here? You know? So, I mean, you can apply it to other things, but, um, but yes, it's a, it's how do you try to um, show up as grounded as you can for that single incident, right? And then, then very much attend to those vulnerable parts when it's more safe. And that will also help with regulation too. I hope you enjoyed that episode and maybe you are going to listen to it a couple more times if you are planning on using Tanya's advice, which I hope you do. Before I let you go, I would like to invite you to join our free community. My team and I send out free courses and healing exercises every week. To join, please click the link in the podcast notes or visit unfiltered.net slash community. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I'll catch you in the next one.